0: Good evening, sloggy kiddos. I think I got that little interlude to play. My little sound effects introduction. So, it is Chrissy's birthday today. I know you're not listening to this on Chrissy's birthday, but one more time, happy birthday, Chrissy Ro And Gideon, yours is next here real soon. And then... And barely six weeks later, Sonia Camille, you are having your birthday. Goody, 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 can't wait. I'll be home for Sonia's. I wish I could be home for all your guys' birthdays, but uh, oh well. But I'll get to be home for Sonia's. And I think Lil's this year, so that'll be super cool. And every birthday is a celebration, whether it's yours or not. Um glad you guys had a good time tonight. Even though it wasn't there. So, to our book. And I know I gotta start reading Bible chapters to you, but I want to get at least one more of our uh Secret of the Swamp King. In our Wilder King Trilogy. I want to get one more chapter. We. Last time we did chapter 6 and chapter 7. Chapter 6 was a home cooked meal. And the two river pirates. Floating their logs down the stream. Ate. And stayed with the. uh With uh uh The oh my goodness daddy with the Arilsons and they talked about somebody not wanting them down there they've been getting attacked and then they also talked about um, the one brother what's his name uh Maynard going missing they just assume him to be dead but they talk about him going missing down on the swamp and then um, Aiden's dad just gets really upset about plume hunters and I guess plume hunters are are just killing birds just for their feathers and they're all getting sent over to uh the Perthens so they can dress really fancy and think they're super cool and rich with these plumes sticking out of their hats and also in the bridles of their horses. So anyways there's some really bad stuff going on. The Navy stopped smugglers near Midden Marsh last week and found bales and bales of plumes and Killing all the birds just for their plumes. And then in chapter 7, it's called The Old Lore. Aiden gets to talk to his brother, who is a scholar. His name is Jasper. Who is an expert in the Old Lore. And to me, this would kind of be equivalent to kind of like the Old Testament maybe. Or just any part of the Bible. And... Um, Jasper happens to be, uh, you know, real studied up. And Aiden asks him about uh, the frog orchid. And he says, ah, the frog orchid. Not one of the more well-known bits of lore. So he digs into his books and scrolls and manuscripts, and he comes up with this passage, and I'll read it to you. In deepest swamp the house of bears, an orchid in the spring appears, on oaken limb around a pond, as black as night and round as sun. It floats in air, a ghostly white, it soars and leaps like frog in flight, and in the orchid's essence pure, its melanch is melancholy's surest cure and then Aiden says what on earth does that mean so they're all trying to guess and figure out what each of those very strange lines means talking about a black orchid and it floating in the air as ghostly white and it soars and leaps like frogs like a frog in flight so Jasper doesn't know what it means and, uh, anyways, Jasper and Aiden get to talking about Maynard, their lost brother. And, uh, said Maynard was also interested in the old lore and particularly about fey tales. And he said that Maynard really tried to, um, tried harder to be a good son and a good brother. And he even took. Aidan's place watching the sheep in the bottom pasture for a while. And it was like he was trying to make something up to you or to Father. And Jasper said, I think that's part of the reason Father has taken Maynard's death so hard. So maybe Maynard saw Fiji or maybe, I don't know. Hopefully it's not the last we've heard or seen of Maynard. Okay, so I'll get right to it. Chapter 8. It's called River Run. The morning sky was still pink with the sun's first rays when the alligator hunters boarded their raft. A night's rest in real beds had rejuvenated them and they were eager to take on the river again. Previous day's difficulties seemed a distant dream. Besides, they now had an extra raft hand. They had convinced Aiden to float with them to the big bend. They would need him, for they had another oar sweeper now. Carver, besides replacing the broken oar sweep, had carved them a second one and built another oar bench in the front of the raft. It would make the raft more maneuverable, but it also meant they could use an extra pair of hands. For his part, Aiden couldn't resist the adventure of a raft trip down the river, even if he could get to last camp more quickly on the Overland Trail. Besides, he liked the alligator hunters, and he preferred not to travel alone if he didn't have to. Errol rode down to the landing with Percy and Jasper to see his youngest son off. He didn't say much. The only smile he could muster looked tired and sad. Somehow he sensed that Aiden's journey was to be much more perilous than he had let on. When everything was in order, just before Aiden stepped onto the raft, Errol caught him by the tunic and enfolded him in his arms. The strength of his father's embrace nearly squeezed the breath out of Aiden. There was plenty of life left in the old man, despite his haggard, world-weary appearance. That knowledge hardened Aiden and strengthened him for his journey. God go with you, Aiden, said Errol, and be careful. Then, when no one else could hear, he whispered, I couldn't bear to lose another son. Aidan embraced his brothers and exchanged farewells. Jasper handed him a small cage containing one of his homing pigeons. Take this with you, he said, and send us a note when you get, wh- get where you're going. Aidan knew he wouldn't be taking a pigeon into the Fiji Fen, but he took the bird with the intention of sending his family a note from last camp. Aiden joined Massey and Floyd on the raft. Jasper and Percy untied the heavy mooring ropes from the cypress trees and tossed them onto the raft timbers. The alligator hunters leaned against the sweeps, pushing off from the landing, and Aiden felt the Tam's strong, slow current catch the timbers and carry him away. Away from the safety of his father's house, toward a wilderness that would never be tamed, a wilderness that nobody came home from, he watched his father and brothers get smaller on the growing in the growing distance. Then he raised his hands in a silent salute. He raised his hand in a silent salute as they disappeared around the bend in the cool of the morning. Scattered fog, the last of the night airs, lay in wisps on the surface of the water. The trees along the riverside were loud with the songs of birds exulting in a new spring day. The forest bugs, too, were coming to life, tuning up the cl- up the click and buzz that would grow slowly louder throughout the day and finally reach a crescendo in the hour before dark. The water was high with the spring rains and muddied a little more than usual, but the floods were past. It was perfect rafting water, high enough to submerge most of the logs and snags that might slow them, that might slow them, but not high enough to sling them over the banks and into the flooded swamps beyond. Aidan discovered he had a natural talent for reading the river's current, and he assumed the role of pilot. The key to raft piloting, he discovered, was not reacting to the current's push, but anticipating it, having the raft in position to manage every swirl, shoal, and eddy before it got there. He kept his two-man crew busy in their posts, but he stayed busier himself, running from bow to stern and back again to help whichever oarsman was pulling hardest at the moment. They named their craft the Headstrong, for once it went in the wrong direction, it took the strength and perseverance of all three raftsmen to get it back on course. The greatest danger was the raft's tendency to drift out of the current. Sometimes, when the nose drifted toward the bank, the current would whip the back end around and send the raft into an uncontrolled spin. Other times, the raft might languish in the sluggish water near the river's edge, requiring great effort to get it moving again. But when they did it right, the river did most of the work for them. Aidan soon learned to keep the headstrong in the swiftest current even in the river's sharpest, most treacherous turns. It was always tempting to pull into the slower water to take what would seem the safer route and avoid the inevitable bone-jarring slam of the stern on the high outside bank as it swung around in the current. But a river bend was no place for shrinking back. Aiden adopted the old rafters' cry as they shot into the river bends. Keep to the current, boys, and let her slam! Even Massey and Floyd, it turned out, weren't bad at guiding a raft now that they could steer from either end. Under Aiden's guidance, the two alligator hunters were able to keep the raft booming along. The previous day's bickering over who should be captain disappeared. Everyone was too busy with his own tasks to worry about anybody else's. For long stretches, the river was mostly straight, and the raftsmen had little to do but talk and watch the river go by. For sheer joy of the river, Massey sang a rafting song he learned from timber rafters on the Ichihuly River. And it goes, "'My sweet Eileen is the prettiest thing,' The fairy keeper's daughter, my heart's own queen, is sweet Eileen. She lives beside the water. I gave Eileen a ruby ring to be my wife forever, but she just sung, Boy, I'm too young, and threw it in the river. So I departed, broken hearted, lonesome ever after. I left the farm and my mother's arms to be a timber rafter. Now every spring I see Eileen beside the fairy landing. I wave and sigh as I float on by and there I leave her standing. My sweet Eileen is the prettiest thing, the fairy keeper's daughter. My heart's own queen is sweet Eileen. She lives beside the water. Drifting by a willow bank, the rafter saw a great blue heron, still as a statue, gazing fixedly at the water. It was watching for the shadows of a fish beneath the water's murky surface. "'Look at that craney crow!' shouted Massey. Its concentration broken, the great blue-gray bird rose into the air with four slow, lumbering flaps of its wings." then tucked its long beak onto its breast and glided along the surface of the water to a spot where it could have more privacy. When I was a boy, said Floyd, there was a man in our village taught a cranny crow how to read. He never did, answered Massey. What do you mean he taught a cranny crow to read? I mean... You put some writing in front of that long-legged bird, and he could read it. You're telling me a bird could look at a paper and tell you what the writing said, asked Massey. Sure, his hunting partner was putting him on. I don't didn't say the man taught a cranny crow to talk, answered Floyd. I said he taught one how to read. He just read quiet to himself. Didn't ever have to move his lips like you do, Massey. Then how in tarnation, asked Massey, could you know he was reading and not just looking? He had a real wise and solemn look in his eye, said Floyd. Just looking at him, you could see he knew what he was about. Massey didn't seem convinced, but Floyd went on, and if you wrote something nice like, Good Day, Cranny Crow, or Your Baby Chicks is Growing Big and Pretty, he'd bob his head like this here, like he's agreeing with you. Floyd jutted his head, in imitation of a heron's head bob. But if you wrote something he disagreed with, or if he felt like you was insulting him. He'd cock his head like this here and just stare at you, wouldn't blink or nothing, just stare at you like he was astonished somebody'd say such a thing to a self-respecting cranny crow. Massy had his doubts, but he dropped the subject when he noticed two round eye knobs and a pair of horn-rimmed nostrils poking from the river. Just out of the main current, a short, distance from the raft look a here Floyd he shouted pointing excitedly Floyd rose to his feet I see a Massey alligator hunting is one subject Massey and Floyd could always agree on Massey started making a loop in the mooring rope at the near corner man the bow oar, he ordered and Floyd was glad to oblige the nose of the raft was almost even with the alligator now, but it wasn't quite close enough for Massey to throw the lasso with any confidence. Pull, man! cried Massey to his partner. Swing the bow round toward that gator. Floyd strained against the long oar sweep, struggling to nudge the nose of the massive craft a few feet to the left. Floyd, Massey. Aiden interrupted, "'That's a bad idea.' But there was no talking to Floyd and Massey. They were alligator hunters, first and last. Floyd had made progress moving the bow. Seeing that the raft was getting diagonal to the current, Aiden ran to the stern oar to straighten it. He leaned his full weight against the oar sweep, but it was too late. By the time Massey was ready to throw his lasso, Floyd had pulled the raft's nose out of the current. The back of the raft, still very much in the current, swung around. The raft was completely crossways in the channel before Massey Massey and Floyd noticed what they had done. They pulled at the bow and with everything they had They pulled at the bow I'm sorry my the phone's doing something strange here Let me start over again The raft was completely crossways in the channel before Massey and Floyd noticed what they had done They pulled at the bow with everything they had but the raft was completely out of control They were still spinning when the headstrong was swept into the narrows. The river was swift there and twisted between high bluffs on either side. They were at the river's mercy and the river didn't appear to be feeling very merciful that day. The stern of the raft got drawn into a swirl as it careened around the first part of the bend. The raft was in a hard spin now and the back corner slammed into the, embank- in- slammed into the embankment. Aiden had lost his grip on the stern oar, and the force of the collision threw him into the swirling water. Okay, kiddos. That is all I'm going to read tonight. I know it was kind of a short read, but it's getting late here. I'm sure it's getting late for you guys, too. Um, I just want you to know how much I love you guys. Each and every one of you. I love you Lily Joy. I love you Gideon Paul. I love you Chrissy Rowe. I love you Sonia Camille. I love you Garrison Walter. I love all you kids so very, very much. And I get to come home and see you in one week's time, and uh I will be praying for you. I'll be praying that you grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of everything you're studying in school, especially God's Word and how to apply God's Word to your life and how to just talk to God and make him your heavenly Father and uh also, I'll be asking and praying and believing God to give you favor with your teachers and with adults and with all of your kids, all of the kids and your friends. So, Daddy's praying for you. Um, I hope you get some great sleep. I love you all very, very much. And I'll catch you later, night-night.